This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The Liberals are introducing sweeping changes to Ontario's policing laws for the first time in a quarter of a century. The new law will strengthen oversight of the system and will make it possible to suspend officers without pay. That decision would be up to the police chief, and it is a power that police chiefs have been calling for for over a decade. Under its new mandate, the Ontario Special Investigations Unit, the OSIU, would be given new powers that would allow the unit to investigate former police officers, off-duty officers in certain instances, and even some volunteer members of the police force. The new OSIU would also have to make the results of investigations into police misconduct and any evidence available to the public. Now, uh, these are the result of recommendations. Um, Are they enough? Is this going to increase trust in police? Is this going to make everything more transparent? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Right now, we go to Jerry McNeely, who is the Independent Police Review Director, and John Sewell, former mayor and member of the Toronto Police Accountability Coalition. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Libby. Hi, Libby. It's Jerry McNeely here. Hi, Jerry. Well, then, let's start with you. Uh, what is your reaction to these changes? Well, I support the recommendations, uh, uh, Libby, and I welcome the introduction of this bill, and I look forward to reviewing the 417 pages of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I believe that this will, in fact, provide more uh, independent uh, complaints investigations. That's what it's stated to do from my perspective and uh, and put the disciplinary process in the hands of independent uh, adjudicative body would really enhance uh, the words that you mentioned earlier about trust and confidence and accountability in the in the police oversight system. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that that is one of the, the big problems that people have is that they say you can't have cops investigating other cops, John Sewell. That's correct. Yeah, no, that's a, that's been a problem, and that's why Jerry's um, department hasn't, in fact, been functioning for, I guess, almost the last decade. Um, I think one of the the significant changes is the one that allows a, a chief to suspend an officer without pay when when there's been a serious criminal charge laid. Um, that, that's been a big problem in the past. Many municipalities that complain about it, they're pl- paying for officers who aren't working, and they're paying a lot of money. I think in Toronto, it's probably five or six million dollars a year that's paid to officers who are suspended with pay. 
So, so that's a change that's long overdue. It's been asked for by uh, many uh, chiefs of police, um, and we're finally catching up with the rest of Canada in passing legislation that will allow that to happen. Well, I know that's a that's a big sore point for the public as well. They really resent having to pay. They sure do, as they should. <laughs> I mean, when somebody's charged with a serious phys- you know, a, a criminal offense, and and they aren't working. Why, why should we be paying them? In some cases, these things have gone on for many, many years, where you know officers should just manage to drag things out for four or five years and and getting full pay at the same time. So that will finally come to an end, and that's good. But yeah, I, I guess I, I, I was just going to say I, I agree with John. Uh, hi, John, and uh, because it increases openness and it brings about real transparency and accountability, and I think I think this is a is a positive move. Right. What what about the other side of that? Let's uh, be the devil's advocate here. And and if someone, uh, you know, people are innocent until proven guilty. And uh, uh, if it's the system taking a long time to get to them, is it fair for the officer? Well, I think there will be some recourse in those situations, as there is in most other employment situations where you've been suspended and then found that you haven't done anything wrong. Um, so I, I'm not worried about that. The, the police have a very strong police association to protect them. Um, so, so I don't see there's a problem. And I think most chiefs will make reasonable decisions about, about when they're suspending people without pay. No, I, I don't see it as a big problem. Okay. Um, what about the other powers that the OSIU is getting, and that being investigating former police officers, off-duty police officers, volunteer members, uh, even TTC special constables and university police? All of this is good, in my opinion. I don't know what Jerry thinks of it. He's got an expanded <laughs> workload he'll be getting, but I think this is terrific because... In too many cases, what we found is that when an officer is about to be uh, investigated by the OIPRD, what happens is he happens to resign, and that's the end of it. Well, so so this will start to deal with those situations. And Libby, I agree with John. I mean, this this is 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 uh, I, I wholeheartedly support the fact that we'll be looking at anyone who's wearing a uniform that looks like a police officer and interact with members of the public similarly, in, in similar ways that police officers interact with them. That these matters should, in fact, be looked at by the OIPRD, by the independent agency, in regards to conduct. Right now, as John has indicated, officers do resign uh, at times when we find misconduct against them or were unable to deal with court constables or special constables or TTC constables who interact with members of the public. So I think this is true oversight and true oversight with, uh, with uh, 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 members of organizations that do some type of policing. Uh, my next question has to do with more than the letter of the law. Um, it has to do with culture. Uh, the police culture, and my understanding anyway, is that there's still a culture, uh, I guess, that you you don't, uh, they protect each other, uh, even if they know things that should be disclosed. And and of course, we're in a time when it's very hard to hide anything. Any interaction with a police officer can be videoed by a member of the public. It'll go viral. Um, What do you make of the role of these new rules in perhaps changing the culture? 
Well, 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 I think uh, from my perspective, uh, I think uh, the fact that uh, an independent civilian organization will be carrying out all the investigations from, from a conduct perspective will uh, make it clear to members of the public that uh, they should feel some more confidence in uh, filing uh, complaints. Uh, with uh, the OIPRD, um, uh, because one of the complaints uh, and issues that have been raised from time to time is the fact that uh, they'll say to me, Jerry, why are you sending my matter back to the police that I'm complaining about? And the fact that that will no longer be happening, the fact that uh, people will uh, be able to file a complaint and know that civilians will be investigating their complaints and not the police, the very police service that they're complaining about, will go a long way uh, to, to change in police culture. Uh, and and the fact is, they have indicated that uh, uh, police are, uh, uh, should be aware, if they're not now, that uh, people will videotape them, and we will get the evidence from those videotapes uh, to to support the complaints against police. Will go a long way to creating, as I indicated already, transparency, but also confidence in the public complaint system. Well, I think Jerry's optimistic about the change in culture that will happen. Police culture is very, very deeply uh, embedded in in police um, at, at the present time. And until we change the, the whole way in which police are, are trained and uh, until we get really good uh, independent managers of policing, we aren't going to get any change to police culture. There, there's no question better oversight helps but it's not going to change the police culture, sadly. Yeah. And, and, John, I don't you know, disagree that uh, change in police culture is going to be extremely difficult to do. But, you know, while I haven't had a chance to see exactly what the legislation is going to uh, indicate, uh, right. Justice Tullock talked about accountability, and they talk about police having a responsibility to, uh, to, uh, to uh, report on each other uh, yeah. about if they, their uh, officers are not behaving, behaving appropriately. And I think that will help change the culture. You know, uh, yeah. Justice Tullock clearly in his report indicated that there is a responsibility uh, police officers, regardless of rank, must take in regards to the malfeasance of other police officers. Well, that I, be I, I agree with you on that, Jerry. That will help a lot because yes. there are lots of good police officers who are not happy with what their fellow officers are doing. Right. <laughs> um, and so that will that will strengthen them, and and, and that's good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's uh, hang on a sec. Uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got William in Toronto. Hello, William. Uh, hello, Lib. Uh, I've got a few uh, concerns here. I'll, I'll go through uh, as quickly as I can. Uh, first, uh, we have to consider uh, the Judge Cullick's uh, 129 uh, recommendations. Uh, he's a Superior Court judge, I think. Well, yeah, this is all based on his recommendations. Okay, so he puts uh, forth uh, really good recommendations. If they are all implemented, uh, uh, that would be a good thing. Uh, however, uh, police cannot govern themselves, and uh, there has to be some kind of independent body put in uh, place uh, to overlook each other so we get the That's That's good what results. this is doing. <laughs> and um, I also um, would like to comment on uh, an article... Uh, uh, by it's called the unregulated uh, field of uh, uh, pr of uh, private police need greater oversight report warrants and this is uh, uh, was prepared for the public safety Canada 
Um, William. Uh, if uh, your guest would uh, comment on that. Okay, William, uh, uh, thanks for your call. Um, all the things that you're referencing are, are things that uh, are in these changes. Uh, thanks for your call. Uh, do either of you have any comment on uh, what William had to say? Well, it's Jerry here, uh, Libby. I, I think William' uh, concerns are being addressed by the recommendations Justice Tullock make to some extent, uh, that uh, uh, there'll be more accountability. Police will be held uh, more responsible by a civilian organization. So I think it's going, as you have indicated uh, to William, that it's moving in the direction. And uh, and if the legislation follows Justice Tullock's recommendation, I think we're moving ahead in the right direction. I, I have one comment. John Sewell here, Libby. Um, I would love to see police service boards made more powerful and more responsible for mm-hmm. actually managing what the police are doing on a, a particular individual police force is doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, I, I, while it might be good to, to really strengthen these oversight bodies like Jerry's and, and, and so forth, strengthening the police service boards themselves to make them more accountable and responsible for what their police forces are doing, in my opinion, would be a good idea. And I'm not sure that's included in this legislation. Is that that a a workable idea, that the police to be actually managed by by a body outside? Well, why not? I mean, we have local councils that manage the city bureaucracy. Why don't we have the police board that's actually serious about managing the police force within it? Um, and we don't have that right now. Now we have a police board that sits there and it's weak and it doesn't do anything. So, you know, here in Toronto yesterday, there's the Toronto P- Police Service saying, oh, we're putting out our own ner- news service now where we can toot our own horn. <laughs> and, w- and what does the police service board say about that? Nothing. Well, It's, it's public yeah. money that's being spent. But, so strengthening the board, it seems to me, and, and so it's a, it's a good, powerful organization would be a really good step forward. Uh, well, let's talk about what you uh, just mentioned, because uh, that came out yesterday. The police is going to be putting out its own uh, little quotes uh, news uh, show, a three-minute thing on a YouTube channel. Um, and I guess, yes, public money is being spent on it. But uh, these days, you know, everybody and their uh, nine-year-old kid has a YouTube channel. Well, hold on a second. I don't think that public bureaucracy should be spending public money saying how terrific they are. Well, are, are and, we? And, and yeah. we're dealing with the police here. The police spend a billion dollars a year, and here they are now saying we're really terrific. And I have no question there isn't going to be any criticism of police on that that little news thing that they're throwing out. Uh, so, so I think this is wrong. This is not something we should be permitting. Okay. Um, Jerry, do you have a view on that? Well, I, I don't really have much of a view, but I do agree with uh, with uh, John that uh, police services boards uh, need to, to become more involved and more directional in regards to issues around police in a community. And so I agree with John in that aspect, that uh, they need to take more of a leadership role and, uh, and, uh, and a more positive role in, in addressing the rights of the community. Police boards like me have a public interest role, and I think they have to uh, take on that role uh, very, very, very seriously. Okay, uh, let's uh, go back to the phones for a minute. We've got Evelyn in Toronto. Hello, Evelyn. Oh, hi. How are you? Fine. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. I was um, listening to everyone, and it seems that I'm going to be the minority. I think that the laws are becoming too lenient against police uh, or being towards police officers because 
say when I was born and raised in Toronto, everybody had respect for the police. And these days, everybody seems to be against them. They're doing nothing wrong but being more and more afraid of their jobs. And I think we're going to have less and less police officers because of the fear. What happened to the respect towards police? It is not their fault. It's the criminals. Oh. And they don't respect anymore. They kill and they abuse and they... That's just not right. Something has to be done. And it's like um, if you raise your child and you give them all the freedoms, they become spoiled. And that's what is happening with the public and the population of Toronto and Canada. It's, they're getting away with too much. Okay, Evelyn. Okay, Evelyn. I'm going to give people a chance uh, to respond. Of course, uh, I, I don't think it's right to say that police do nothing wrong. We've had evidence of that. But, uh, what, gentlemen, what do you say to Evelyn's comment that people don't have respect anymore? Well, I think that, in fact, uh, video phones have uh, changed a lot in regard to how people look at police. Because in the past, police will always say, oh, no, we never did that. Oh, no, no, that didn't happen. And now we've got all this video evidence of, in fact, things they have done. And I think that that's a policing problem. That's not a public problem. You know, if the police aren't behaving in an appropriate fashion and if they're acting unreasonably and it's caught on videotape, I mean, that that sort of proves the case that there's a problem. And I, I think that... The, the, the fact that there's been a reduction in respect for police have, has related directly to the fact that we now have video evidence of what they're doing. And, and that's been one of the real uses of, of iPhones, quite frankly. Um, so I think that's good. And, and the police, I think, are going to have to work really, really hard to regain the respect. You must remember, we've got a police force in Toronto that now is working a shift schedule that they've required the police board to adopt that basically has them working 28 hours in every 24-hour stretch and has as many cops on duty at 3 in the morning as at 7 in the afternoon, in the, in the evening. And both those things are wrong. They're feather bedding, and we, we shouldn't be doing it. So the police have got a lot of work to do to regain the respect of the public. Um, Jerry? Well, you know, I would say that, uh, look, police have a very difficult job to do. And, uh, and, and many police officers carry their jobs in an admirable way. They do it well. But there are a few officers that don't. And, those, and accountability must take care of that. And so to say that uh, we should not uh, be looking at uh, and have concerns for police, I think, is incorrect. I think uh, what we need to say is that any officer doing wrong must be held responsible for that wrong. And that would make a big difference, and that would bring ultimate respect for members of the public. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I also think that uh, our caller, you know, did have some points. You know, we have uh, quite a bit of gang violence in Toronto, and, and certainly uh, from uh, that quarter, there there is certainly a lack of, of respect. But uh, the things that we sometimes see police doing obviously don't help. Okay, uh, Jerry, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Uh, you know, I, uh, what I would like to say, Libby, is this, that I, I, I support the recommendations. I welcome them. I, uh, my only uh, hope is that uh, my organization uh, will be properly resourced to make these changes that this uh, uh, legislation, if passed, contemplates. Uh, you know, I'm here to enforce those and to implement those, but I can't do it without the appropriate resources. Okay. Jerry McNeely, thank you so much for that. Thank uh, you. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about income disparity in the neighborhoods of Toronto. We'll be back after this.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.